Hello and welcome to the Celtic Down Under podcast. I'm your host Jared, and joining me tonight are Sean and John. How are you, Sean? Yeah, um, all right, I guess. Uh, a bit shitty about having to go into a full lockdown for four days, but that is the world. How are you, John? I'm good, but I'm very jealous that it's only four days when it's been two and a half weeks for myself living in the city of um, the centre of Sydney. So, yeah, good. Bit bored at home. As someone from Melbourne, all I have to say is suffering your jocks <laughs> because four days and two and a half weeks are sweet FA compared to uh, what we've been through in the last 12, 18 months. So I know exactly what you're going through, boys. Hang in there. You'll be right. Thanks. Four, four days with a toddler is longer than two weeks without. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd accept that. Yep. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <Wouldn't they? laughs> All right. So the usual shout to start the podcast. Anyone listening, please subscribe to the Celtic Down Under podcast in your favorite podcast app. We really appreciate that. We've been seeing some great growth in the last month. So if you're listening and you haven't subscribed, please do so. So what we'll do is we'll jump straight into our first topic. We've got the press conferences that happened last Friday. So what I'll do is we'll just have an open general discussion on it and then off the back of that we'll just touch on a few separate topics, okay? So have you guys both listened to it and Mm -hmm. seen Mm -hmm. what was said? Yep. Yep. All right. So I'll throw to you, Sean. What was your first thoughts over the whole press conference, the fan media one, and also the one with the regular mainstream media. Yeah, um, it's, the guys, it's, the two of them spoke relatively well. Uh, it seemed to be well rehearsed. Um, they, <clears throat> Mackay did that thing where when he doesn't quite know the answer or doesn't want to answer it, he just talks around the question. So he's clearly uh, well-practiced uh, in these sort of things. And... Uh, Postacoglu, the my favourite one was when uh, I can't remember what the exact wording of the question was, but they asked him about stepping up a level coming to Scotland, and he was like, "I don't know what you're talking about. I've managed the World Cups. What, what, what? what uh, that's your opinion, I guess, kind of thing." Uh, I thought that one was pretty good, but uh, I listened to the whole unedited uh, stream, and and as the fan media were coming in doing their, they had one question each. I was like. The first ones were like, oh, I know that. that's the Axman guy. Oh, cool. And oh, that's, oh, the, what was the other one? The, um, I forgot the the boys. I forgot the name of the, the guys. I'm like, yeah, I know them. Oh, yeah, in 20 minute terms, there they are. And, and then as it kept going, I was like, who? Who? Who are these guys? Like, why are we not there? How do we get accredited? I've not heard of most of these people. You know, I'm guessing they might have all been on that Axman 24 hour, but we were asleep for a lot of that. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, the issue for us is we're in Australia, so unless Claire can go to these things for us, we don't have anyone to rep us at those. Well, it was all on Zoom, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. It was actually at Celtic Park. Yeah, some of it was. Oh, was it? Oh, yep. Oh, it was all live, at, all live at the stadium, so that's the issue. Uh, okay. Well, we should get accredited for Zoom ones. <laughs> <laughs> yep. What did you think of it, John? Yeah, very similar thoughts. Um, I thought... And spoke very well. Um, I was, if anything, I think most fans afterwards have been um, a bit uplifted by the way that he speaks and his passion. He's clearly got a very, very clear idea of what he wants to bring to Celtic. And that really came across in the sort of way he answered questions. Um, yeah, I agree. Don Mackay sort of um, uh, d- went around certain questions he didn't want to answer. But the, w- the way that I looked at it is he's, he's there also to protect the business of Celtic from fans as well as the general public. Right. So he might not want to, cause I know he's got a lot of criticism online and stuff. So yeah, I, I, I think he's perfectly entitled. That's why he's there. Right. That's supposed to be what he's good for. Um, yeah. I thought the, I, I, if I'm honest, I thought the difference between the mainstream media uh, journalists and then the sort of podcast fan journalists, if you like, there wasn't really much difference in class. And that really goes to show how um, how much of a wave the, this new media is with, you know, podcasters like ourselves and stuff. It's like there's, it's all opinions, right? So a sports journalist is 
really, by the sounds of it, got as much credentials as anyone who follows a very particular team and watches them religiously. I think there's, I really didn't find there was much to it. There's a couple of cringy questions from the fans and equally cringy from the mainstream media and stuff. But um, yeah, I, I was quite impressed by the, the entire thing overall. It was good yeah. to actually get the, the, mm. the fans in, I think, as a point. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at it going, the only difference coming off the back of what you said, John, was that the mainstream media, it's more, okay, so your first game's in 20 days, you need, th- you need this, you need that, and it's just talking around the edges where the questions from the fan media groups, it was more, this is what we want to know, who's going to be in your backroom staff, are there going to be incomings and outgoings? So it was a bit more detailed and specific. Mm. That's the, that was the difference I found listening to it. It wasn't – if say if, if I was to go there, I would have had a list of maybe 20 questions I wanted to go through. And I reckon listening to it probably 18 or 19 of them would have been ticked off by everyone who was there. So it was great to see that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I agree. I agree exactly with what you're both saying there. And <clears throat> Excuse me. Um I th- just I've only just thought of it now when you're talking about that the the nature of the qu- difference in the questions that were coming, like there was no there was certainly if anything the fan media were actually better informed with the the information that they were basing their questions on, uh, whereas the, your mainstream media were more kind of oh here's our procedure that we follow these are our cut and paste questions that we have to ask to keep the and and the nature of that is that they have to keep. Celtic and uh, Celtic staff on side with them because they have a relationship that that's a you know it's a reciprocal I forgot the biological term it's a symbiotic relationship uh, whereas the fan media seem to be more just cutting straight to the point you know like well we're not making money from this so we don't really give a shit if you fall out with us there's another guy behind me that's going to ask the a similar question you know kind of thing and that that was good. I think it it was more sincere and more honest. Which is not to say that they they gave a direct answer to those questions. They, but it is good to actually have those questions asked. Um, the one thing that when most of the fan media were asking questions was, Mackay kept he kept uh, going back to oh we're making decisions for the next ten years and he, and he kept saying ten years. And he, I think it was five or six times he said next ten years, next ten years. Yeah, it was a drinking game. yeah honestly it seemed like it that or modernization were your two drinking games yeah 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 yeah. but at the same time that's that has got to be it makes sense that that has to be his job but and then but he also has to have at least one eye or at least a whole head of some other person that's focused on the the immediate uh concerns And, and right now i'm i'm not even convinced without that director of football i'm not sure we've got that right now to be honest and and that's nothing to do with the press conference i think that's just that's just an issue and then he he also reminded people that he doesn't officially start till first of july which was yeah i thought a bit of a kind of it was where i'm not sure how like it's hard to tell what's going on in the background but it was it was an excuse and that excuse is going to expire tomorrow so Mm. What I liked was, yeah, where they went from the like the TV one or the upstairs one, then they went to the fan media, then they went to the red tops. So they gave them more of a, uh, you know, more of a, you're important, let's get you right in the middle. So I did like that. And what I also liked was where they had, um, you could see the beginning of a, um, of the beginning of the bromance between Ange and Dom. And all those memes after, find yourself someone who looks at you the way Dom looks at Ange. And I'm just like, <laughs> these guys are on the same page. It's good to see unity after what we've been through as a club in the last 12 months. Yep, for sure. I, I, mm-hmm. I think that was very good to see. Um, I I think as well with the fan media stuff, There's a. it's really good that, um, I mean, you could say that's Dom's influence, but it could just be something that from last season, Celtic board and the company as a whole really took on board, I guess, um, with the fact that they weren't communicating to fans and now they're bringing fan media into these sort of events. I think just what you were saying before about the type of direct questions that the fans were asking, I think there's an element of um, they care more 
right? They, they, there's, there's more um, investment for them. They want to know very specifics. It's more, it's kind of like an AGM. And it'll be really interesting to see how quickly the mainstream media picks up on the type of questions that fan media are asking. And I, it could be direct quotes or it could be a shift in, well, journalism really for Celtic and, and maybe Scottish football. It could be, you know, they want really direct questions instead of this sort of, you know, keep, keeping the status quo type questions. Jackson wasn't very happy. Yeah, I was going to say, that? off the back of that, you see the reactions to some of the guys online and it's like bagging out the media, people latching onto that first question, which was embarrassing, but was more of a rant than a question. Mm. But to go through all the stuff that they went through and to then have the, the red tops taking quotes from the fan media thing but then not accrediting them is pathetic. Mm. Yep, I totally agree. It's very, it's just, it, it, but I think that's probably the nature of journalism at the moment. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, to be fair to them, <clears throat> they wouldn't like give credit to, like the Daily Record wouldn't give credit to a question from the Daily Mirror if it was nah. part of the same press conference. So I, I think to be fair to them, that is consistent. But um, Keith Jackson did his own, you know, he does his own kind of article, uh, weekly kind of opinion piece or whatever, and he absolutely bagged it. He absolutely bagged out Celtic for the decision. Like, he was really, like, it was not, in any way, I don't, I don't. I think he's kind of just out of touch, to be honest. The, the way he, he approached it and the way he addressed it, uh, saying that it was cringy and all that sort of stuff. Like it was a playing to the uh, playing to the crowds and all that sort. Of, like I, I really didn't agree with what he was saying, and I don't think he was judging the fan media on their merit, just on as a threat. And that's what they are. And he's, you know, like if, he should go down with some class. Is what I'm saying. He, may, he yeah. may well be one of the best, like, but still, go down but that's dignity, man. But, but you said it. It's because he considers fan media a threat, and and he should. He all all mainstream media should consider fan media a threat because we're we're the ones that are we care enough. So we're, that's why there's this huge wave of. I mean, look, I think it's 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 not exclusive to Scottish football and it's certainly not exclusive to Celtic, right? I think most big teams probably in Europe have some sort of fan media like this, right? But especially when we've been experiencing in Scotland, like almost like not fulfilling your due diligence or just complete negligence towards actually reporting the events that are associated with Scottish football because it's big British media outlets like Sky and BT and stuff and they're far more invested in the English Premier League we've, we're sick of it so that's I think I think it's a very modern and progressive forward step for Celtic to start including and it will get better the, the, the fan questions will get better and it, it will become more um, focused and it'll be less ranty and stuff and <laughs> preachy I guess what yeah. I would want to see though is if they're going to do more fan media thing the only one thing I'd love is don't let it get to the way the, the way it is with some of the English clubs where it's there's only two or three particular ones who get invited mm. and everyone else falls by the wayside. Like I actually enjoyed having all those different guys there. Like there's guys like the Celtic Exchange podcast. I've listened to them a couple of times, but I'm not a regular listener. But they're growing. They're putting the work in. So good on them for being there. They deserve that. It can't just be, okay, let's just have the Cynic, let's just have the 20-minute teams, let's just have Axe on there and maybe the four teams as like probably your four biggest ones. You can't just have them and everyone else just jog on. Like To me, that's not right. Mm. Can, I, can I just read the, the worst line from the Keith Jackson article I just pulled up here? <clears throat> it says, uh, Green lighting, this toe-curling embarrassment seemed like another bad error of judgment from a club which has been full of them over the last year. And that's in direct reference to allowing the fan media. I mean, my look, response to Keith Jackson is Keith, <laughs> shut it. <laughs> yeah, this is the same guy that tweeted that uh, everyone was getting their panties in a twist about COVID just a year and a half yeah, ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's some perspective. What were you, you going to say, John? Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he's necessarily wrong in his assertion that <laughs> Celtic have made bad decisions over the past two years, 18 months. But 
yeah, to say that, including the new wave of media is toe curling is just, uh, it's, I don't think it's jealousy. I think it's just, he's defending his profession, right? Or he feels like he needs to when he doesn't, but yeah. It's probably because he's just used to listen to Rangers fan media. (laughs) Yeah, true. But yeah, I I thought, um, I thought overall I was really impressed and I hope they keep doing it. I hope it's not a trial thing that they just been, I hope it's progressed over the season and coming years and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, if you look at, look at some of the stats, like the, the, the 19, like some of these guys pay for the, the Opta stats and all that sort of stuff. And they come out with some of the most unreal, like detailed analysis that I've never seen in history from any media in Scotland, uh, outside of these guys. Um, you can sometimes see it overseas for like, maybe like, Sky Sports will give it for an EPL game or Spanish game or something like that. Whereas for um, a Scottish game, they'll be like, uh, yeah, that looks like a Dundee badge. We'll chuck it up kind of thing mm-hmm. for Dundee United. Uh, but no, they, these guys are coming out with just the most unbelievable analysis of players and games. And it's like, well, these guys aren't even getting paid. I mean, they might be getting something from like uh, revenue streams, but like if the Scottish media were doing their job properly for the last 30 years, then we, we couldn't be filling that void. You know, exactly. like these, these guys, th- these guys are able to do a better job because people at Keith Jackson are not, do you know what I mean? It, it takes someone to do a bad job for someone else to do a better job. I totally agree. And that's, and, and I mean, we're going to get really fucking techie here. Right. But like data analytics, especially in sport is becoming such a big thing worldwide. And it's been really, it's been around for, for, probably the better part of 20 years, right? The fact that I would even say that the traditional old school journalists aren't doing it. So even like, I, I agree with you, Sean, that like BT and, and Sky and, and might do it for the odd La Liga or EPA. But even then it's not like detailed, detailed, right? It's kind of, because they're very, you know, fixed within the hour and a half slot that they've got for the program, whatever it is. Whereas these guys, um, and like, for example, Modern Football, that's a really good Twitter account that does this a lot for all the Scottish games. But they're, they're spending hours, if not days, on this stuff. And it's incredibly detailed, targeted analytics, which will be the modern way in all football teams, including Celtic. And one of, one of Lennon's biggest... Um, <laughs> I was just going to say this. Yeah, <laughs> problems was he refused to even acknowledge that analytics was a thing. Oh, I, don't, I don't bother with that, you know, looking at stats and data. And stuff. What are we talking about? And I, I have to say... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you didn't. as a little, yeah, as a little, right. a little circle about what we talked about before. Um, Gavin Strachan with his little laptop—that's really what he's doing, right? Is he's he's, <laughs> he's supposed to be looking at stats of players as they progress in the game and making informed decisions. I don't know how good that is. Clearly, pretty shit. But <laughs> but, but if he's uh, looking at it during a game, and then he's telling Lennon, who doesn't give two shits about. That's exactly it. Yeah, it's going to go in one ear and out the other, and that's the proof right there. Yep. If you had someone like Brentford had, I think it was with um, was it Thomas Franks as their manager? If my memory was right, I think he was the guy. He gets that sort of stuff. Mm. You have a guy look look at Tuchel. He came into Chelsea, and you've gone from Lampard, who looked at it but not at the same level as Tuchel, and then he goes and wins the Champions League. Yeah, perfect example. I come from a background of having grown up playing and watching basketball. Mm-hmm. The stats that you get in that from when I was a kid is ridiculous. So coming from that background and then also watching football and being a massive football and Celtic fan, it's good to see this starting to come into it. And with my background, I I like looking at that sort of stuff. I mean, oh, we had this much percentage, but 10% of it was in this area of field. Oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. Not everyone's that much of a, of a stats nerd. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to... Look at the kind of the movie Moneyball does a great job of showing the kind of. I, I know baseball is much, much, much more. Uh, it's not. It's not that the stats are more uh, important. It's that the stats are more obvious. Mm. Like it's easier. Like people hadn't created XG and X expected assists and and things like that at that point. Whereas in baseball, it's you hit the ball or you don't. You walk or you don't. You know, kind of thing. The stats are much more uh, black and white. Uh, whereas football is very much an evolving game in terms of 
how you can use different stats. And remember, that's why players now all have these uh, sports bras that they wear. You know what I'm talking about. If you've yeah. seen the Ukraine, Ukraine goal last night, the boy had one when he took his, his jersey off um, with their GPS and their heart rate monitors and stuff like that. Um, and it's just the way it's going. Like, and, and um, I'm pretty sure Brendan Rogers hired one of the Celtic fan media people after he, he did a good stats write up and, and asked the question said, about it. Funny that you mentioned that because I was just about to show you guys something on the screen. So I'll just say uh-huh. this was in the clearance bin on the Celtic store the other day. So I happened to uh, pick it up. <laughs> Brendan before... Rogers' official autobiography. <laughs> It was not. A, it was like four dollars twenty-five or something like that in the clearance bin on sale. So I'm like, why not? And yeah, one of the things I read, yeah, analytics stats. He's big on yeah. it. Yeah, you need to be. You, even if you're not, you need to have someone who is. Like again, that that's the the message of the the movie Moneyball is this guy is trying to find an edge, and and his edge is that. He's going to listen to this guy that focuses on stats when no one else will, and, and he sets records that when his budget is one tenth of the rest of the league, kind of thing. And the, the one thing that was interesting about what Postacoglu was saying was he was talking about how to get an edge, and he was the way he was saying it was almost as if I'm not tied to anything, I'll do anything that will give me the edge. And but what he was also then went on to say was that in the past, that edge has been sports science. and. That kind of ties into the. I don't know if you read the or we lost our head of uh, sports science. Yeah, ago, the Leipzig. The Leipzig. I'm actually when I read that, I'm like, eh, no big deal. A lot of people probably thought different. The reason being, Ange coming from Australia, Australian sport is at the cutting edge of sports science for the football, soccer, whatever sports. It is cutting edge over here. We have guys over. At I think it was in 10 Premier League clubs last season in the EPL. There was an Australian physio, strength and conditioning coach or something there. It's cutting edge. So Ange will know someone. So I'm not stressed about that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to say, there must be like 50 plus graduates every year that are suitable for that sort of job. And with the kind of money we're playing with, we've got to be, do you know what I mean? We've got to be competing with, you know, for the top 50 guys in the world. Do you know what I mean? Like, not just the 50 new graduates every year. Mm. That's where I, I, I've often um, discussed, like talked about this with friends and family and stuff. I think that's where any modern um, team success comes from is this, the strength of your backroom staff. It has to be, right? Because they're the, they're the staff members that condition and improve your players. So even if you've got players that might be not to your standard, if you've got the best backroom staff possible, then that... That really brings you up. I mean, I didn't know that about Rogers signing a um, Celtic fan <laughs> and an analyst. That's yeah, good. I think he took him to Leicester as well. I think he took him oh. with him to Leicester. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. But talking about um, what's it called with the backroom staff? By by the way, this is a good little segue. One of the key things from the fan media thing that I loved was Andrew's response when he was asked if there's going to be changes to the playing staff and back room. And he was like, like, I love it when he goes, like, just paraphrasing, I'm not guaranteeing people will be leaving like for the staff, but we may add people if we, if we need to, which could basically mean Kennedy and Strachan are here now, but they may be moved into other areas when I get my own people in and they clear quarantine. That's how yeah. I interpreted that. And then I also love when he about players where it's like talking about Tommy Rogic and then he goes, well, it's up to people that come in. If they can do the job, like people are going to want to move on, great. But if they want to stay, they've got to be able to do the job. If they can't do the job, they may fall by the wayside. So I took that as twofold. It's either get on board with what I want or you'll be shown the door. And if you can't, if you think you can do it and you but you're wanting to leave, who says I'm going to want to keep you anyway mm. if you can't do the job for me? So I liked when he said that because I'm like, that shows he's the boss. That's what's going to be happening behind the scenes. So if he needs to bring in sports science, a bunch of physios, a couple of extra coaches, like you were saying there, John, about having a strong backroom staff, which gets you the performances on the pitch, if he needs to do that, he'll do that. If there's players there that want to leave, great. 
if you can't do the job, see you later. We'll bring someone in. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think those were the ones that stood out to me that I found pretty pretty exciting answers. I I yeah. I, I agree. I think um, that that answer that he gave um, was quite telling. I think there's going to be I think there's going to be movement around there. He wouldn't he. It would have been far more straightforward answer if he had a plan. If he had a, a different plan in his head, as in keeping staff where they are and stuff. I think you're right, Jared. I think he's going to bring in a lot of people that he knows from Australia, you know, potentially from the J League and stuff. Um, and look, I, I mean, I'd love this, and uh, I don't know how much we buy into it. I, but I think if Sean Maloney, Maloney came back as a director of football or some sort of similar capacity. I think I would I would be very excited by that. I think that'd be for that whether that's has any merit or just you know shite rumors and stuff. But because I can't really see him going from assistant manager into a director of football role. But maybe I don't know. But that'd be fantastic. That those sort of movements would be would be great to see. And he clearly has a plan, Ange. Some of these big clubs in England have like performance directors, and Scotland had one, and with that racist guy that took the job for a while. And uh, uh, we, should we dare not say his name? And uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, yeah. Sorry, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think um, you know personnel change, and over time, that's what happens. And uh, what doesn't change as quickly as personnel is infrastructure. So if you can get infrastructure right, that that's uh, leads to more stability. And if one person leaves, it's fine. You know, you've got. A lot of people taking up lots of different roles that can uh, carry the load for a short time until you get another person in. You know, it's if somebody's Next not cutting it, cheerio. You know, Next on your way. Up. Sorry. Next man up. Next man up. Yeah, exactly. And and at the moment, the way we've been working for the last twenty years is right. You're doing your coaching badges and you have a Celtic connection. Can you go take the under 18s And then when the reserve coach leaves, you can step up there. And then when the first team coach leaves, you can step up. Do you know what I mean? It's just been a kind of nepotistic ladder from the under-18 coach for people with coaching badges and Celtic connections. And, and that's yeah, how- on, that, on that front, yeah, that's why I'm kind of glad Bruni did leave to go, you know, go to Aberdeen, play and get the coaching experience there. Because let's be honest, if you're Bruni with his history at the club, if he went straight into the 18s, you'd know he'd be on the fast track to the senior team in no time. And I'm glad he's actually gone elsewhere, get into a different system, get some experience while still playing. Hope he plays like shit against us, but... <laughs> and yeah, then he won't. We, yeah, I know. But <laughs> hope so anyway. But then when he um when he retires from playing, okay, then he's just got to... I want him to do his, do his badges. Like, he's got his badges, but do we get the experience elsewhere, then come home if he's good enough? I don't want him just given a job because I, he's Celtic-minded. He's mm. a club legend. Yeah. Well, the thing that all Celtic fans care about most is winning. Uh, people didn't... Yeah. People did, some people hate... There was a Celtic fan uh, got done for punching Gordon Strachan in the face and <laughs> the his supporters bus had a whip round to pay his fine for him. Uh that was what in the eighties or whatever, and then Strachan comes in and he wins games and gets us in Champions League, and now he now he's Celtic minded and and by extension his family. <laughs> Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's an issue. We need to change from a nepotistic ladder. You know, it's just yeah. a straight ladder. Where we need to change into a branching hierarchy, multi departments. You know, departments that aren't connected. They might report up to the same person, but they, these departments can't. It can't just be a straight hierarchy. Do you know what I mean? There has to be this is your area, this is our area, and there's too much power with with individuals at the moment. I agree, and uh, we've discussed this before, but it it fucking shits me to tears when we anyone who's quote unquote Celtic minded or has some sort of Celtic connection gets linked with us, and that, and it always seems to be the same way in in recent years. Anyway, you have to be a Celtic fan or have a connection to Celtic to get a job. And I find that complete nepotism. We should be looking out. What was that? You've got to know the city. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, but that, it's all of that bullshit, right? Like, and we should be going out and looking for top 15 candidates 
and getting and getting and going through a list of priorities and just and getting the best it doesn't have to have some sort of so i don't know why we feel like we have to do that i i feel it's, like we can do much better there it doesn't even have to be anyone from football like sports yeah, rugby go, go, yeah. go talk to somebody in rugby or basketball like yeah. honestly like rugby doesn't have as much money as football the the best sports scientist in rugby is surely sports honesty from the afl there's some gun ones yeah. over here but that'd exactly. be awesome that's what we need. We need There's no AFL way they're getting as much science. money as we can offer. We, we can offer, we could probably triple their wages without even blinking. Like, why are we not, like, think outside the box. Do you know what I mean? Like, I agree. That's what we should be doing. And, I, and it's not just the coaching staff, guys. It's also, I'm just waiting for the uh, James McCarthy stories to start kicking on. They do crawl to, to Glasgow to play for us and all that yep. sort of crap. Like, that we get this time every <laughs> oh, year. Oh, yeah. And the Paddy oh, Roberts yeah. stuff to pick up again and the Burger Melling articles and stories <sighs> every again. Every single year. I'm just waiting for them because uh, James McLean. In Groundhog Day, we're coming into that loop. It's going to start. Yeah, we should get a bingo card ready. We'll get yeah. a bingo cards with the names James McLean, James McCarthy. Uh, oh, Shane Duffy can't be on it anymore. Shane Duffy's um, out now. Yeah, Shake Evans retired, so oh, wait, no, there's so, like no, yeah, let's do it. Like, I think that I think that's the, you're joking, but I think we should fucking do it. That sounds great. Yeah. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Paddy Roberts, yeah. a quick fucking somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so talking about incomings, then we'll jump ahead to that. So apparently, there's talk of a four and a half to five million pound offer in for Mario Vuskovic at Hadjuk Split. Split. Um, Aaron Hickey, three and a half million. And apparently there's another one that I've just gone straight over my head at the moment. But apparently we've got, oh, that's right, Nisbet has been on holidays with a bunch of the Celtic boys and apparently he's potentially coming in as well. What do you take on that? Uh, Vuskovic is the correct profile for a player who can make a difference and will have... A profitable return uh, if he does make a difference. Um, apart from that, I, I can't say anything else about him. To be honest, um, with these sort of like these are the sort of players that back in the day would be one two million, and now now the transfer market is the way it is. We're now like four, five, six million for the sort of unproven players from Balkan divisions, uh, but they're still available to us. Sorry? Hard bastards. Get them in. Yeah. And not just that, but they're still available to us because um, we can basically 10 times their wages. Uh, and that's why they're still available to us. Even though the transfer fees are still are kind of on the brink because of the competition from England and, and places like that. Uh, in terms of salaries, we can still slam, the, slam all these countries and get the best in that sense. Um he, he certainly fits the profile. And, and he's a right-sided centre back. So I just I just realised the other one I missed out on. So you got him as a right-sided centre back at nineteen. Then you got for Man City, you have got Japanese centre back Ko Itakura. He's a left-sided centre back. So he's got one year left on his deal. Everything we're hearing, it's a loan. But unless it's a loan with a with a fee guaranteed to buy him, I'd do it, or I want to buy him on a permanent. I think we've had a lot of success with that Manchester City link in the past. Uh, you know, players that we brought in permanently, like uh, Boyata and um, Cham, have, even though Cham's, yeah, well, uh, even though they've fallen off a cliff recently in Cham, uh, the players that brought in permanently have been good for us, and the ones we brought in on loan have either been good or not good. Uh, but they've certainly. You know, we've not we've had a good shake of it, is what I'm saying. Like we've we've not been done in terms of that relationship. I don't think we've had we've benefited from it, and I, I think, yeah, I think that's something we should keep going. To be honest, even if it's not necessarily where we see ourselves uh, in terms of being a big club. I agree. I think there's been a lot of criticism with our connection to the City Group over the years, um, but I think it's done us in good stead. Um, I think yeah, players and and background staff and stuff. I think it's like I understand we don't. It's probably oh, well, probably one of or if if not the biggest football conglomerate conglomerate um, in the world. Um, but yeah, I, I I and I think that's a good thing as long as we're not bought by them and then that's just us sold our souls. But um, yeah, I think these um, 
I think these rumors are positive. I, I quite like Aaron Hickey. I liked him when he was at Hearts. I thought he was a good player. I thought we could have bought him then. Um, but he's, I mean, it's good that he's, uh, for him personally, even if he doesn't come to Zoic, it's good that he's gone away to another league and, um, you know, got that different experience and stuff. So I think that'd be a really good uh, buy if we do get him. But yeah, I, it it sounds like, and I'm a fan of a back three, but it sounds like we might be moving towards having a back three, maybe a three five two or a three four three or something. But yeah, instead four three three in the presser. Did they? Did you see yeah. that? Yeah, so that's so his normal Rod- formation. Back so to Rogers, kind of. Yeah, well, when he was when he was victory coach, he played a really weird formation in that season where he played four at the back. Then he had it was the most ridiculous thing. It was like a four-two-four, but the way he did it, where it was four. Then he had two defensive midfielders so that the wingers could, the wingbacks could push forward. One had pushed, the other one had hold. So it was like a back three. But then what he did was up front. He had two tens, and then two wide wide guys. So not an actual striker. So you'd come through the middle, you'd get it out wide, and then the two tens would be on the on the defensive defender's shoulders. They'd run himself offside, the ball would go wide, and then they'd come in and they're back on side because the guys played him on side with the pass. Hmm. So it depends on the on the quality he's got and the players he's got. He'll adjust it. Did he not do a really weird formo- formation for Australia as well? Did he not play like a four two two two? He played yeah, a four one four one. It was to do with Tim Cahill or something. It was talking about playing to yeah. his strengths and using the weapons available to get an edge. That's really positive to hear. Look, I think these formations are bizarre, no, like full stop. But I mean, it's, posi- it's positive to hear that a manager um, is adaptable, not only to the players that they have, but to maybe the opposition. That's kind of what you want, especially in Europe, right? It's like get a football manager or FIFA and it's like create your own formation. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, yeah. That's what, it's like what players do I have? Yeah, let's just chuck him in this way. <laughs> That's true. As long as we don't end up with Kelmac at left back, we're good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so no, is he a right back or is Hickey a left back? Uh, he's a left he's back. left back. Yeah, back. Because when he was at Hearts, he was playing right, and apparently he can play uh, both. So whenever I've thought about him, I remember Tierney absolutely destroying him playing when he was playing he, right back there. He didn't do well at right back, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. In, okay. the game, in the games I watched him, he was pretty straight at right back. If it's up to me, then I'd rather Doig than, than Hickey at left back. Well, he was apparently, uh, Hibs rejected a bid of two, two million, two and a half. Two and, two two and, and a half, half from Watford. From Watford, yeah. So he's not cheap either. But I doubt we'd be able to go into Hibs and say, okay, here's four million for Niz, but here's four million or whatever for for Doig, and that actually accept it and give us both those players. Oh, I would 100% take Nisbet. Oh. Yeah, I'd take Nisbet. If you had to prioritise, I'd want Nisbet. But then at the same time, you look at it and go, okay, if that's the case, then you're probably going to end up with Hickey, which is still a good option. Hickey's good, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah. I, would, I, actually, I prefer Hickey over Doig anyway, but I would, of those three, I would, I really think we need Nisbet. How much do you um, subscribe to Edward staying for this extra year? That's sort of been chucked about. No um, I can see it happening. I can see him stay until we get through the qualifiers and then being off at the end of the window in the same way Dembele did. Mm-hmm. I can Honestly, see that happening, but I can't see him hanging around the whole season. After how he played last year, I, I, I don't know if teams are going to meet our valuation. Well, that's, and my, and- that's my concern about IR because apparently people, there was two bids that come in. That was actually one of the next topics was outgoings, but there's like a bid from... Who was at Norwich and Bayer Leverkusen of ten million pound for Ayer that we've apparently knocked back. That's mental. And we've told them, give us fifteen and he's yours. That's fucking mental. He's got a year left on his contract. It's nah. bold. It's definitely bold. We've got to remember we've got to give a chunk of that coin to IK's start over in Norway as well. Yeah, but what yeah, chunk? This, this was so long ago, I think it would be quite a low percentage. Yeah, I think that was back when that was a kind of... Or something like that. It's not a lot, but we're still yeah. to give a chunk. So if it's 10 million, you've got to give him a million of it. So you're really pocketing nine mm-hmm. for him. Oh, look, it's nine more than zero, but still, um, I, I, it's bold. They're playing a bold strategy here. Because uh, they might get nothing. They mm-hmm. could get nothing. They could get. They could just... They, both Ayer and Edward could just say, right, fair enough, I'll run down my contract. I'll, say, I'll sign somebody in January. 
imagine Ayer goes for 15 million, then you give away your one and a half million to his old club in Norway. You made Virgil money. What we made on Virgil's transfer for Ayer. I yeah. think that's what they're probably targeting. And he's not probably, quite, yeah. it's not a Virgil class, let's be honest. Nah. No, but it's a different market now. Yeah. Yeah. I heard Edward did the, the Celtic had agreed a fee with Leicester and it was Edward's wages. Personal terms. But, yeah, yeah. That's what I read as well. But I mean, I mean, look, I think Edward might go to somebody like Arsenal for a similar. Well, not if the issue is the wages. That, so if the issue is not Celtic getting their valuation, like he could. So if you think about it, like if a club is going to pay 20 million for Edward and then he waits a year, then they convert that 20 million into his salary instead of being a transfer fee. Sure. And, and, and signing bonus, 10 million signing bonus instead of paying 20 million transfer, they'd comfortably do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how he could save for another year. I, I, the only reason why I say somebody like Arsenal, which he's been linked with in the past and stuff, is because I think, I mean, I have no idea, but I would say that Arsenal's salary structure is higher than Leicester's. And maybe somebody yeah. like Arsenal could offer him closer to what he's after. Well, but, Tierney's just been re-signed at Arsenal for 110 grand a week. Yeah, he's worth that, that, though. Oh, I don't yeah. know he's and, saying that. And he's their best player pretty much by a long shot. And that means they're probably scaling things back a bit on that front because they had Ozil on like 350000 a week. Obama Yang's on similar. But mm-hmm. then if you're going to bring in someone like Edouard, what are you going to pay him? You can't bring him straight in and pay him more than... Tierney. So he's gonna to have to come in maybe eighty grand, which is still probably four times his wage at the club that we're paying him. Yep. I think I think everything's gonna I think we all kinda of know this, but it's all gonna kick off after the Euros, right? That's yeah. We'll probably see these players fucking off towards the end of the Euros. The one that'll be funny to watch though will be Christie, because he's only got six months left on his deal. So his contract's yeah. up in January. So he can sign a pre contract to go to France if that's what he's looking at, to go to Nice or whatever now. And then we'll, we'll probably have tomorrow. to stick yeah. And then we have to send send accept cents on the dollar and maybe take a million or two million for him or whatever to get something. But the thing with him is with how little he played at the Euros, if you've got clubs looking at going, I've got a budget of five million for a midfielder, oh I could get Ryan Christie. But then there's this guy in the Ukraine playing well who you could pick up for four million. What are you gonna do? And he'll have cheaper yeah. wages. You'll go get him. So potentially what's happened at the Euros could actually backfire on him. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, if, if somebody offers 500,000 for Christie, you don't accept it. And, and not because you're expecting to get 500,000 of value on the pitch. The The reason is because it, you don't want to send that message to future players. Uh, you, you know, you're costing yourself long-term money there. Like it's if you send in a message that, uh, we will be held to ransom. Then we're we're going to be losing more than five hundred thousand in the long run. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If if yeah. we, that's part of the reason for playing hardball. Is yeah, fine. We are happy to take your time, and we're happy to take not happy, but we're willing to take a year of your career. As you know, that's, that's yeah. I'd almost, I'd almost be a wanker about it and go. You know what? You want to play this game? Yeah, your your next six months your contract is allocated to the Colts. Go have fun in the Lowland League. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if he signs elsewhere, go play him in the Lowland League for six months. Fuck him. That's an a cham yeah. punishment, though, isn't it? That's why you're sticking to cham if he sticks around. Yeah, straight into the Colts. Hundred percent, do it. <laughs> well, speaking of the cham, apparently there's been all sorts of rumours this week. So AK Athens deal looks like it's broken down, but then I was reading this morning that it looks like it's back on now. So that'll. I don't really care what happens there, to be honest with you. Yeah. Just rattle off a few other outgoings. So we had Jack Hendry finally to stand for like one point eight million. Armstrong Okaflex to Armstrong Okaflex to West Ham. Looks like Bolingoli is going to Alte SK in Turkey. Uh, and yep. Bolingoli, yeah. Yeah, the last thing I had you've just spoken about was since our last podcast, Edward to Leicester has broken down. So there's a bit going on both in incomings and outgoings. It's going to be silly season, I reckon, for the next few weeks. Basically, now Ange is in the building. Twenty days to our fir- to our first Champions League qualifier. The camp starting next week. 
it's going to get a bit crazy over the next few weeks. So I think we might have to do a live show or something on, you know, transfers and stuff when the time comes. Yep. I think yep. that's going to happen for sure. I think, I think just, I mean, it's probably, I know no one gives a fuck anymore, but um, might as well discuss it. I think the champs screwed his career. I think he's ruined. I think it's a, such a step down going to Athens as, as far as exposure goes. And um, you mean, Athens is a type of team that you go and buy the best player from. You should be if you're Zoic. You yeah, know what you remind- Turkey or Greece, you're done. Yeah. You know what he reminds me of? Jordan Shakiri started off at like Bayern Munich or something like that, right? Then went somewhere in Italy. Went somewhere in Italy. Then he's ended up at at Liverpool now, or Stoke or whatever it was. So he's been. Looks like he's going down mm. the tiers from top five league to whatever. And Chan was a Man City player on loan at Bologna or Genoa, whichever club it was. I think it was Genoa. So he was playing in the Serie A. We signed him. He's playing for us. Doing well in Europe. If he leaves us to go to Greece, just go get a hammock, lay on the beach, collect your checks and just be happy. Looks yep. like he does, he's not, a, not interested in his football career. Yeah, but Turkey, Greece, China, these are places where players' careers go to die and they Australia. get the last... last <laughs> Australia. And, well, I was, and the next point was they get they get the most money they can, but that's not something you would get in Australia. Yeah, but yeah... <laughs> yeah, those three those three countries to me are the, the three places where, or not so much Russia, maybe in the past, but uh, if you go, if a player is going to Turkey, Greece, or China, it's uh, I want money and I don't care about my career. Mexico, there's another one for you. Mm. I, I, even then, I, I don't think they get as or much the money M- either. MLS, there you go. MLS, oh, yeah, MLS, I'll, yeah. Add that, chuck that one on the list, chuck. <laughs> All right, so Klamala five times the wages or something. Yeah, yeah. ridiculous. All right, so we'll just change gears for a little thing. We've had the um, the away kit come out this week. The green with the gold it looks amazing, in my opinion. But there was two other kits leaked. We had in our group chat a little bit of a discussion. Let's put it on the air here because <laughs> there was a couple of disagreements. So the the room at home top looks like the old New Balance Ronnie Dahlia. Area, era, era. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> Top uh, the green with a little pin with a little stripe either side of it. Not what I was expecting, but still a good top. What did your take on that one, Sean? Yes, as you say, it's a bit of a retread. That that was my main concern was it doesn't have anything original to it, but it's it's good. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll, it's not my favourite. Uh, I've preferred the last three seasons home tops over this one for sure. Uh, the only one that I've really hated in the last 10 years was the the one where the hoops were broken into... Do you know yeah. one where it was like five broken hoops? Broken hoops in one, on the arms or whatever, yeah? No, no, not that. Like The one where it was like the white... Oh, it had like, it had like a border. Yeah, 2014-15, where like oh, every yeah, hoop yeah. was broken into like five hoops kind of thing. Yeah. That, that was the only one top. I really... Yeah, I mean, it's hard to make the Celtic top bad. And that, that was one of the ones that's done it, you know. Um, and th- this one's certainly not in the upper echelons, but it's, you know, that, I get it's, it's unimaginative, that's all I'll say. But, retro, tops are, retro tops are good, right? Don't get me wrong. But yeah. you don't have to go retro from like six years ago or something like that because I've still got that top in my wardrobe just back there. <laughs> like yeah. I'm saving myself 120 bucks or something here. yeah. Yeah, and, and part part of the thing you have to do to be original these days is to to go watermark, and and it's hard to tell from that picture if we have done something along those lines. Uh, there was something in the collar. Uh, what was it? One set of city, our colours. That's what it was. Our, our city, our colours. That's interesting. Uh, but to me, that's more interesting than the rest of the strip. I I honestly think right, it's one of those things where you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. There's a there's I, I think. <laughs> So fans are divided straight down the middle. I think if you try any sort of originality, you get <laughs> slated for it. And if you stick to the same shit, the other half slates you for never being original. I just, I, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it was imperfect. That point, John, to the third strip. I fucking like it. I don't know why that's such a bad thing. It's a I nice, smart like pinstripes. I don't know what's bad about it. It looks like hell. a candy cane, mate. Fuck. <laughs> It's a full strip. Nice. Come on. Green stripes. Unless the top, you can pick it up and lick it and it tastes minty. It's not worth it. I don't know. 
I, I mean, I'm probably not going to walk about in it. But, um, do you know, it reminded me of, um, I, think it, I think it was Liverpool. It might have been somebody else, but it had like the red and white pinstripes. And I thought that looked yeah. dead smart. I thought, well, I don't know. I don't see the difference. And and a lot of people are saying, oh, the pink's fucking, but the, <laughs> people are, everyone's shaking their head. <laughs> They've taken the colors from the stained glass window at Celtic. That's a bit of history. I like that. That's a nice touch. They've just used the exact same colors from the stained glass window. I like it. I'm probably going to buy it. I'm usually this guy that defends those esoteric out there strips. I love that uh, one we had in 95 with the yellow flash with the green, you know, the one, the CR uh-huh. Smith yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that. I, I'm the only person that I know that loved the silver one with the pink. Uh, oh, actually, yeah. I yeah, right. love that strip. That shirt and that's it. I, I love that shirt. And Honestly, I still wear it. <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, I love it. So I, I really do enjoy the out there strips, but I do not. I cannot go pinstripes. <laughs> I've never enjoyed a single Celtic pinstripe. The black with the green, the two ones, not don't like it. Yeah. Do not like any Celtic pinstripe one. I don't like any pinstripe strip of any team, and, particularly and John, the Celtic ones. John looks like he wants to have a rebuttal here for pinstripes. <laughs> I, I, I think they look smart. I think they. I think uh, I can't remember who it was who uh, made the point in the group chat, which is kind of looks like a baseball jersey. What the fuck's wrong with that? It's a third kit, and what's wrong with looking like a baseball jersey? I think it looks pretty good. What's I reckon the badges in the middle as well. I mean, I have to. Yeah, that's a bit odd. But we've done that in the past, so you know, maybe the badge in the middle reminds me, of, reminds me of the old Man United white one with the sharp sports yeah. badge in the middle. It yeah. reminds me of that top, which I think was '99 season or something like that for them. Yeah, but I remember that. I think the top looks like a candy cane. And I reckon it's the second worst top, like third strip we've had in the last decade. What was and the worst? worst one, Sean, was the one yeah. that you touched on earlier, the grey with the pink, because we no. never even wore it in a game and it was putrid. <laughs> and anyone who wears it automatically just looks like, like they'd be better off wearing a Hessian bag. I love it. I bought the shorts and socks and everything. And I always think third kits are a bit like out there, right? They're never, because I tell you another kit, another um, strip that I really liked that nobody else seemed to fucking like. I thought it was brilliant. Remember the third kit, New Balance, pre, I'm pretty sure it was Roger years, where it was um, the Bumblebee colors, but it was the bed, it was the big zigzags. Oh, yeah, no, that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. That I loved that one. I thought that was brilliant. I don't know why everyone had fucking hated it, but that would have look. been great if you were a forklift driver. You just you probably <laughs> top to work. It's, it's funny how like if you think about the original Bumblebee it was fucking amazing. It and was. then when they tried to Over remake top. it in a different version, it was awful. And it was like when the how? New Balance did the ver- the version of it with the stripes and stuff, but they were narrower. They were like an inch thick instead of the thicker ones. Yeah. That was a bit average, but yeah. So I tell you wonder, what, why can you not just just copy it? Like, just do the exact same and just re-release you, it. Like, even yeah, then you get criticisms. It. You get criticisms from the other half of Celtic fans saying you're not being fucking original. You're just copying the old ones. It's like lose lose for a lot of, for these manufacturers. Well, the way I look at it is the third kit's only really designed anyway for when we play Hibs because every other yeah. team in the league we either wear our hoops against them, but we, you can't really wear your hoops away at Easter Road. Our our away kit is dark green. Their home kit's dark green. You're not going to force them to wear their away. So that third kit is only for when we play games at Easter Road. That's pretty much it. Mm. So it's maybe a two-game-a-year uniform that's going to be worn. That's it. But still, I, it's disgusting. I think, I reckon, right, we would not be having this conversation if it was slightly different colours. I quite like how they've used the old historic stained glass window. But see, if it was like black with white pinstripes, yeah, we'd all be fucking going, oh, that's dead smart. That like, I'm getting that. Yeah, we would. Yeah, no. we would. Yeah, I hate all no. the pinstripes. Like <laughs> it's, so it's the pinstripes. It's not the fucking colours. It is the pinstripes. It's, it's pure the, the pinstripes. Yeah, yeah, all right, so I just don't get like the silver and pink one. Of course it's not the colours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fashionista section of the podcast is... <laughs> <laughs> concluded. <laughs> concluded. I think it's... Uh, we'll agree to disagree on that, but... Yeah, I just want to see how it looks on the actual players. But, yeah, could be interesting, but I'm not a fan. <laughs> so what we'll do yeah. to finish off the podcast, something we started on our last one, was we have a final thought each. Oh, Tribute sorry, before we old. do that, uh, yeah. Jared, can I do the answers? Oh, yeah, the... your quiz, yeah, read it out. 
Oh yeah. Uh, so so I posted on Twitter um, to na- name the seven uh, coaching coaches at Euro twenty twenty who previously played in the Scottish top flight. Did you guys? How many did you know? Are we talking about head coaches or just coaches in general? Not any any coach. Yeah. So I had I think two or three. I had Sean Maloney. Oh, name it. Yeah, Sean Maloney. Yeah. That's the only one I knew. Mm-hmm. Off the top of my head. One other, but I've gone blank on him now. I'll, Where's I'll two head sure. coaches? First uh, time. Oh, sorry, three. Three head Martinez. coaches. Martinez. Martinez, yeah. That was the other yeah. one I had, yeah. So Martinez, Maloney, and there's another two head coaches. That played in Scotch football? Mm-hmm. Was Steve Clark no. playing in Scotch football? No. Steve Clark, yeah. He Somebody did, yeah. Him. Right, okay, yeah. Nah, Woodgate didn't play up here, did he? Southgate, no. Oh, Southgate, whatever. Yeah. Same, same, same. Some same English coach. Stupid shit manager, yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah, one man. That, one that quit today. Oh, De Boer. Frank De Boer, yeah. So that's four. You've got the two in Belgium. Uh, Martinez, Maloney, De Boer, and um, uh, Clark. Steve Clark, Clark yeah. Yep. And there was three more. And this is the, the one that made me think to, to write the question was when I seen him on the bench, I was like, holy shit, there's Morton Vehorst on the bench for Denmark. Uh, so he's the Danish assistant. Uh, and then when I was writing it, I had to research it. And the other two that I found out I didn't know before is Antti Niemi is the Finnish goalkeeper coach. Oh, he's the fucking, he's the keeper that has the famous radio host question why are we not putting uh, uh, Miami and whatever it is in goal because he plays for Finland he's Finnish right, he's yeah, not finished. Yeah. he's like yeah. why, is, yeah. why is Miami not going to call up for England because yeah, yeah. England or something like that yeah, yeah. Uh, and the last one I didn't expect anyone to get uh, but because I'm weird I recognised the name as soon as I saw it uh, and that's the North Macedonia fitness coach he played for Wraith Rovers, Livingston, St. Johnson, and East Fife. Uh, Goran Stanich. Would never have got that. If anyone got that, you need to like, send an email to admin <laughs> at celticdownunder.com. Send us your address. And if you can actually be honest about it, I might, I might <laughs> send you a well-done email back and potentially a pin if our Australia Post lets it happen. But I won't get that email, so yeah. I'd say he's a liar. <laughs> yeah, he's Honestly, lying. I, I was going through the list of coaches and I saw the name and I was like, holy shit, he played for St. Johnston? I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> North Macedonian. All right, yeah. so while, you while, you're, while you're at it, boys, final thought for the podcast. Do you want? Yes, okay. All right. So my final thought, I wrote it down. Um, I think uh, we Celtic fans need to manage our expectations for this transfer window. I think we've lost um, quite a lot of really experienced players. Um, And I've written them down as Lustig, Hayes, Brown, Sinclair, maybe even Forster. They're all 30 plus years old, either now or um, at the time when they played for us. Uh, And we need to replace that experience. And it can't just be young players that we can sell on. It might take three or four seasons. Yep. Sure. Um, I'm sure some of those signings we'll make in the next few weeks will disagree with that, but also <laughs> need to get a balance. Need a balance. Uh, my, my thought is somewhat related to football. Uh, <laughs> when Billy Gilmore uh, went down with COVID, uh, my thought was uh, vaccines work. Why the fuck are these footballers not vaccinated? And my final thought is, if Russell Boyce from Axon is listening, this is for you, mate. Everyone get on board the engine Donbass. Toot toot. Toot toot. <laughs> All right, everyone. Chugga chugga, big green bus. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening in. Uh, we appreciate your support as always. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't. Hail, hail. Hail, hail. Hail, hail.